Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. Please take a moment and visit InvernessCalvary.com to get connected with us. We want to know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you may do so online. Now prepare your heart for a word that we pray will bless your life. Today is a continuation of this message called to freedom. Now, uh, I want to say this from the very beginning today. I believe that God is calling Calvary Church into the greatest level of freedom that she has ever existed in. That means each one of us is going to be operating in greater levels of freedom. Now, the question uh, you know, that, that I get sometimes is, is, is that possible? I mean, I already thought I was free. Well, it could be that as we open the scriptures together that you actually find out that there's, the enemy has been hiding in plain sight. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 out of the Amplified Version says this, For you, my brothers, were called to freedom, only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, and selfishness, but through love serve and seek the best for one another. Now when we read this statement, called to freedom, we kind of hear sometimes this, oh that's something I ought to do. Or that, that would be, that, that would be uh, that's permissible. But that, that is not the language that's being used to here. The picture is Jesus is standing in the place of freedom and he's calling your name. And he's saying, come here. Come into this place. Come and receive the freedom that I'm offering. Now in this passage, there was all kinds of religious bondage that people were going through. But there's really all kinds of bondages. And here's what you need to know. People are not your enemy. They may get on your nerves. They may do things differently than you. If they're in middle school, they haven't discovered deodorant yet. They may smell funny. I'm telling you, that's a good word for middle schoolers. Y'all didn't write that down. <laughs> but they're not enemies. People are not your enemies. Satan is your enemy. Satan is your enemy. Now, the plan of the enemy has always been to trap or entangle as many believers. Listen to me when I say this. As many believers as possible. Satan is not interested in going to war uh, with somebody who is in his kingdom. But he does declare war on those in God's kingdom and he wants them to be limping along in their walk with God. Not ever fully reaching the potential that he has for them. And so today, what we're going to look at is a message called Open Doors. Because many believers have open doors that lead to all kinds of situations that will keep them in bondage. So they have all kinds of open doors. Now listen, last week, let me just give you a little bit, little bit of a review. We made three points, okay? Number one point from last week, which most churches don't talk about, but we are here because we know God wants us free. 
Demons are real. That was point one last week. Demons are real. You would have to absolutely ignore Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because 61 times in the Gospels alone is it mentioned the word demon. A demon is a fallen angel, a disembodied spirit, a a messenger of Satan, if you will. They are disembodied. And listen, the second point was is they really enter people. They really enter people. We talked about that, that, that passage where there was the demonized man. The scripture actually uses the word demon possessed. Well, that's, that actually is an interesting word in the Greek. It is demoni zomai. Demoni zomai. And that word zomai actually does not mean ownership. It means under the influence. So demon possessed, a more literal word would be demonized. It would be demonized. And and I gave you this example about how if a thief comes through an open door or an open window into your house, does he own the house? No, he does not own the house. But what needs to happen is the owner of the house needs to arrest the thief and get him out so that the house is no longer under the influence of the thief. The last thing that we we got last week was really, really good news. Jesus really casts them out. Their entire entire wings of theology that said, you know, that Jesus just kind of went along with this idea because the Jews believed in demons, so Jesus pretended to believe in them, but they're not really real. That's absolute falsehood and heresy, and you should utterly reject any thought that says there is no such thing as demons because Jesus really cast them out and people really get set free. I want you to hear this today, not because we're celebrating Satan, but because we're exposing him, and we're not going to let darkness reign in our life when we are called to be sons and daughters of light. That's what we're doing. Now, this is not about bashing anyone. This is not about, uh, you know, necessarily stepping on your toes, but here we go. I'm about to step on your toes. Are you ready? (laughs) And the church said, oh, me. (laughs) There are three common open doors. And when these doors, when, when a door is open, they manifest in these three very common ways. This isn't all, this isn't all of them. But there are three, these are three very common open doors. The first one I call continued iniquity. The word iniquity in the Hebrew actually means this, on the inside, twisted, bent. It means to have a bend toward sin. It means this is something on the inside that's driving me to bondage. If you Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. You're going to, we're going to read some stories from the Gospels. We're going to be in the the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. And then also in the Gospel of Mark with each point. So, John chapter 8 says this. Verse 31. It's right before a very, very famous scripture. But we're going to look at it in context, and begin to understand some things. 
Verse 31. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. So before we go on, who is Jesus talking to? Believers. Jesus is talking to believers. This is what he said. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. We definitely need to fill our temple with the word of God. It says, and, this is the one we always quote, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Awesome scripture. He makes that declaration. And then, quite possibly, one of the most telling verses in the Bible and also one of the funniest verses in the Bible comes next. It says, and they, the believers, answered him, said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? I, I just have this question. Have any of you ever read the Old Testament The Israelites, Abraham's descendants, have been in bondage to everyone. Everyone. The Assyrians they were in bondage to. The Babylonians they were in bondage to. The Persians they were in bondage to. How about this one? How about this one? Everybody ought to know this. The Egyptians they were in bondage to. Listen, you may not have read the book, but you probably saw the movie. Even your kids are like, oh, yeah, Prince of Egypt. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Made a cartoon out of it. They were in bondage to everyone. Did you see what they said? We've never been in bondage. At the time they say this scripture, they're in bondage to the Romans. which tells us a story that you could be in bondage and be 100% blind to it. <laughs> Can you just imagine, let's just say it this way. We're Christians. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Oh, really? But you hate that guy on your job. And you lie when it's convenient and you cheat on your taxes oh we've never been in bondage hallelujah we're not in bondage no you're blind and in bondage there's all kinds of bondage going on. And what you need to see is Jesus tells them that. In the next verse it says, So Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is in bondage, is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. By the way, it's just my opinion. I don't think this is actually talking about your salvation. It's talking about a post-salvation experience where believers stop being slaves and start being sons. Yeah. 
That's what this is about. And I love what the scriptures say in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 tells us, says, Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, that you are that one slave whom you obey? Whether to sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. He says, listen, you're going to be, by the way, Romans 6 was written to believers. That's written to believers. And says, listen, if you obey sin, you will become addicted to that sin. It will entrap you. It will ensnare you. It will entangle you. He goes, however, there's a more addictive substance, obedience. Walking in right standing with God, that is that is something that you could become slave to. I love, you know, this word, though, that, what, that Jesus used, is a, it's an interesting word. It says, he who commits sin. It's a really interesting word. It's the one that you get the word, you know, we say committed. We're committed. Um, it means this in English. It means you formulated a plan. And I'm just going to tell you, all of us have been there. I've been there formulating a plan to sin. I remember I was a complete idiot when I was 19 years old. I would take people over to Daytona Beach, other young people, and I would take them with me. I'd find the bars where they would serve underage people, and I'd just show them, oh, yeah, you could go here and you could go there, show them how to party, and I'd be like teaching people how to sin. Well, at age 21, all things became new to me. So when I became a youth pastor, and some of you in here remember this, we started doing something called Bible on the Beach. I'd take righteous, saved kids back, and Kathleen used to drive the bus to this event, and we'd go back to the same beach that I was committed to living in sin, and I'd take young people, and we'd start worshiping, and we'd start praying, and people would start gathering, and right there where they're committed to sin, we're committed to righteousness, and lives would be changed. You say, what? You know, I had one girl recently, she, she had never come to anything. That was the first event she ever, ever came to. And she, she told me about that. She said, it's the wildest, wildest thing that you guys would go out and worship God on the beach, just out there, and everybody's there for a different reason. And then God shows up, and you guys were praying for people, and God was, I said, yeah, I know, because I was really, really planning on sinning when I was a kid. But when I gave my life to Christ, I was really, really, really committed to righteousness. I believe God wants to change lives. Now listen, if you're in a bondage, and you're in sin, you're planning on sinning. That's demonic and it's an open door. If you're making space in your life for sin, it's an open door. I want to show you an, a great, great picture uh, in the Old Testament, which is a picture of something that came in the New Testament. Jeremiah chapter 7 Verse 8 says this, Behold, this is God talking to his people, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Listen to this. He said, will you steal, murder, and don't just think physical murder because Jesus comes along in the Sermon on the Mount and says, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. 
He says, will you commit adultery? And remember, that's not just the physical act because Jesus comes along and said, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. That was Jesus' mic drop moment. He says this, he says, will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. We're free to do all this stuff. We're free to do it. We're delivered to do all these abominations. We're free, and so we can do that. And then God says, he says, he says this, this is amazing. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Now, there are many symbols in the Bible of Jesus setting people free. Now, look what he said about the temple right here. He said, has it become a den of thieves in your eyes? I see it, and I see the thief in the temple. Do you know that in the New Testament, Jesus braided cords together, and he drove out thieves from the temple? And the money changers, and turned over the tables, and drove them out? They were, they were robbing the people of God. And he drove them out. Now, I just want to show you something. There are two spiritual temples mentioned in the New Testament. One is all of us when we all gather together, each one of us, a stone, building a house for God to abide in. That's us meeting corporately together. But then, then comes along 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is what God says, I'm coming with a whip. And I aim to drive the thief out of your life. Remember the thief from John chapter 10, verse 10? He says, the thief comes only but to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Right here, he says, this house is full of thieves. And I want to tell you that many of us We've let thieves into our house. You know, if you were to, in the middle of the night, hear a knock on the door and you were to go and peek out of the peephole and there you would see standing on your front porch someone in a ski mask with a gun, you would not unlock the door and open it and walk away. Most of you, most of you, and I'm, I'm glad it's most of you, most of you would not do that. Most of you are going to say this loudly. I'm calling the cops. I hope you don't bleed out before they get here. Because if you come in my house, <laughs> it will be your last day on this planet. But most of us spiritually we unlock the door and open it and walk away. Men, if you're looking at pornography, you unlock the door. When we get into any kind of sin and bondage, we're unlocking a door. 
And the enemy's behind it. The one that Jesus is chasing out with whips, cleansing the temple. Listen, that's not just the place in Jerusalem. It's found right here. That is good news to know that God says, don't crack the door of the enemy, and if he sneaks in, I'll drive him out if you let me. But we've got to recognize that if we are continuing in sin, iniquity, there's, there might be an open door. Now this next one, listen carefully. The second door where there may be an open door is if you are in continual illness. Continued illness. Now listen to me. I'm going to state this from the very, very beginning. Every sickness is not a demon. Let me just rewind that for you and say it again. Every sickness is not a demon. I mean, if you sneeze, you're, you do not be like, <laughs> come out in Jesus' name. Okay, that is not, that is not, that, that's not what's going on. However, in the Bible, you need to see that continual, continued illness sometimes is connected to an open door that the enemy came through. Luke chapter 13. It's a wonderful story. Verse 11 says this, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. 18 years. Now wait, let's just stop there. This is an evil spirit. And it is a type, a certain type of spirit named infirmity. It is a spirit. Do you see that? It's a spirit. It's not a bacteria. It's a spirit. It's not a virus. It's a spirit. 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. This, that is so good. We're going to come back to that point in a moment. And he laid his hands on her, not like you see the televangelists do, probably lightly. Jesus did not push this old woman down. I've been in Pentecost a long time. I've seen a lot of courtesy falls. Oh, you're so anointed. <laughs> but I've also been struck with the power of God and ended up like a big... Well, whatever that would be. In the mud. Saying, ooh, God, it's really powerful. Now listen, listen, he laid his hands on her. That's why when we pray for people, we lay our hands on them. Because Jesus gave us as a model of how to pray for people. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But listen to this. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Now, let me, let me explain to you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe Pharisees are the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And here's what Pharisees do. They take one small portion of Scripture and add their interpretation of it to the end. This, this Pharisee had it right in the beginning. He actually quotes the fourth commandment, that we are to keep the Sabbath day holy. That's awesome. But God did not say, come some other day to be healed. That was his interpretation of it. And I have just this, what other day do you meet? You're, Jew, you're a Jew, you're meeting on the Sabbath. And this guy says, come and be healed on another day. Well, what day is that? He was totally missing it. Now, it says, then the Lord answered him and said, in his most politically correct and gentle, so as not to wound his inner man, hypocrite. I know you don't think Jesus talks this way, but he does. He looks right at people he loves and says, hypocrite. You play actor. You with a face up like you're righteous. Inwardly, you're a ravenous wolf. All those words came from Jesus. The kind, gentle, flowing Jesus that you have in your mind. Evidently, he was not in a political season. He says, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, look at this statement, being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath? He said these words, she is a daughter of Abraham. Now that means something. There are natural sons of Abraham, but there are also spiritual sons of Abraham. Galatians 3 says it this way, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. You'll catch on to this in a moment. Galatians 3.29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Here's what Jesus was saying, and this is why he called her to him instead of waiting on her to call him. He said, she's a believer. She is a believer. A real, genuine daughter of Abraham. Matter of fact, if you keep reading in John 8, those, 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 those people actually said, uh, we, you know, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Abraham's not your father. Otherwise, you would have loved me. You are of your father, the devil. But he said about this one, she's a daughter of Abraham. She is a believer in bondage. Now listen, I'm going to say it again. Every symptom you have is not a demon. But there's good news. Jesus deals with our spiritual roots. If we have a root in us, that has opened a door to sickness, 
You know what Jesus does for believers? He heals them. You cannot find one account where someone came to Jesus in the New Testament in honesty and did not walk away healed. You just won't find it. You just won't find it. There was always a hidden agenda if they didn't walk away healed. Jesus sets free from sickness even the ones from a spiritual root. Acts 10.3 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What was he doing? He was healing people who were oppressed by the devil. Acts 19.11, this was awesome. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, which says, by the way, there are usual miracles and unusual miracles. Let us first start walking in the usual ones, by the way. I don't, know, I don't know which ones are usual, but I want all of those. And then I certainly welcome the unusual ones like this. So that handkerchiefs and aprons. It is things that Paul was working in. It was like his hanky that he wiped his brow with. He sent that to people. They were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left him, and the evil spirits went out of them. Listen, what's this say? This says that an evil spirit was present, and when the spirit left, they got healed. I want to say it for a third time. Not all sickness is a demon, but some continued illness is, and you have to treat it that way. Now, the third one Third door, where you recognize the door is open and the symptoms of that open door are very simply this. It's continued influence. Continued influence. And that basically means, remember we're referring back to that word demon possessed. It means under the influence. It means continued influence. Now, I'm going to read to you a story from Mark chapter 7. This is absolutely fascinating. The Word of God is awesome. Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24. It says, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. By the way, that is biblical language and it stands for something. He's not just insulting her. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon had gone out and her lying on the bed. What an awesome, awesome story. Now I'm going to uh, just unfold some details for you. This woman was a Syrophoenician. That means that she was half Syrian, half Phoenician. Uh, Tyre was co considered, it's an old Phoenician city, and it was considered the greatest city of witchcraft and occult. 
in that region. And I'm going to tell you why. Back about 900 B.C., it was actually about 850, 853 B.C., there was a princess who married the king of Israel. The princess of Phoenicia has a name, Jezebel. And if you read the Bible very much, you realize that she brought the most wickedness, the most witchcraft, the most false worship of any woman in the Bible into Israel. Not only that, but she shows up later in the book of Revelation. She comes 850 years earlier in the flesh, but that spirit is still reigning on the earth in the days to come. And it tries to reign right now. So Syro Syrophoenician people were, uh, this lady was a woman who was filled with paganism. She was defined by her mixture. She was defined by her mixture. It was a mixture of pride and witchcraft and occult. Listen to me. It was a mixture of witchcraft and occult. Her child was bound by a demon because of her mixture. And I believe the Holy Spirit is giving us today, Calvary, one message. Stop the mixture. Stop the mixture. We have to stop the mixture. You say, what mixture? Let me read it to you and let the Bible interpret the Bible. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9, it says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. That was absolute pagan worship giving their children as sacrifices to a false god named Molech, or, listen, one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, that's a psychic, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, one who contacts the dead, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead, for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord God drives them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations, which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. This is a really, really clear word. Let me bring it into your language. Stop reading your horoscope. Stop it. You want to know your future? It's found between Genesis and Revelation. It's in the Bible. 
Your future as a believer is found in God's word. Stop with the witchcraft. Would you like to know what witchcraft is? Witchcraft means this, mind control. The word in Greek is pharmakia. And I'm going to tell you, you can be under the influence of a witchcraft spirit even if it's prescribed to you. Anything that tries to control your mind and the way that you think, it's a witchcraft spirit. You may be saying to me right now, no, pastor, you're wrong. All right, I've got another one for you. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's what God told Saul right when he rejected him. And he said, stubbornness is as idolatry. I'm going to keep going. The other, uh, in weeks, in the weeks that I, I was preparing for this, I knew that God would be calling me to actually draw a line, set a standard. But I did not know why until I started getting these calls from a family in Inverness. They called me on the phone. They said, Pastor, we came and visited uh, your church like, uh, you know, months and months ago, but... Um, uh, we got some weird stuff happening at our house, and we can't even stay there. I said, what do you mean weird stuff is happening at your house? She goes, stuff is flying off the wall. Our children are tormented. There's all kinds of stuff going on. She began to put out the list. She goes, what do I do? I said, well, I'll pray and ask. And I'm praying right then, and this is what I heard the Lord say. Her whole family has a fascination with zombies. And, and said, okay, I don't know you. You don't know me. I said, you're probably going to think I'm some religious nut. I don't know. You probably, I don't know. But this is what I feel like the Lord just said to me. I said, D is your family kind of fascinated with the dead and zombies. And she goes, and she brightened right up on the phone. She goes, oh, yes, we're the biggest Walking Dead fans. We're so, we're so into it. My kids have the little figurines in the room. And we, and my kids love, love the zombie video games. Oh, I figure if I'm going to step off in it today, I'm just going to go all the way, by the way. All the way. All the way. Listen, you have got to stop the mixture. You have got to stop the mixture. This woman's child has a demon because of her mixture. And parents, I know it's more convenient to turn the TV on and let it raise your children. But it might open a door that is an abomination to God. Men, don't look at pornography. It's opening a door. Do not open your heart. Listen, let me say it this way. I don't know why you would celebrate witches and witchcrafts on Halloween. I don't know why you would do that. Let me make it really clear. Harvest night is a Halloween alternative. Dress your kids up. That's fun. Don't put them in a witch's outfit. Don't dress them up as a demon. 
Are you kidding me? Our children have enough demons they're dealing with, and they don't know how. Matter of fact, now it looks like this. Our kids are walking around like this, trying to find little demons. And they're little dragons and little imps and little things. Yeah, Pokemon Go, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, listen, when a real demon, when a real demon shows up, your little Pokemon Go is not going to get it to go. You have no authority in the spirit. You're chasing demons and you can't deal with the ones you already have. Don't collect anymore. It's mixture. It is mixture. Guys, don't put witchcraft in front of your eyes, the eyes of your kids. Don't do it. Oh, it's Disney. I don't care. I don't care. Don't put it in front of your kids' eyes. You need to tell them it's wrong. Messing around with the dead, it's wrong. There are demonic video games. Stop. Stop. You say, well, and that thing tries to come against you. You're like, I'm just going to miss out on all the fun. You know, that is a demon telling you that. Because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. That means that if you've opened a door to a thief, you're actually being robbed of the life that God intended you to have. Does it mean change? Absolutely. But when change leads you to a higher place of freedom, believe me, you ought you to just shed the chains of yesterday and say, God, take me into a place called freedom. This woman is a Syrophoenician. She is a Greek, and she's not a believer, and her child is bound. I love what Jesus says to her. He says, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. See, this is biblical language. She understood him. But we don't. See, dogs represent something in the Bible. Revelation twenty-two fourteen says this, Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. This is talking about heaven. And may enter the gates into that city. But outside of heaven are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So, right now, outside of heaven are sorcerers, murderers, sexually immoral. People, people who worship themselves and other gods, and poodles, and Labradors, and Chihuahuas, for sure Chihuahuas. <laughs> I'm just saying. That either we have to read that literally, or dogs mean something else in the Bible. Here's what it means. If you're outside of heaven, you are an unbeliever. 
you have not placed your faith and trust in God's sacrifice of his only son. That's what a dog is. A dog is an unbeliever. So teenagers, do not walk up to your friend and say, what an, what's up, dog? <laughs> Unless they really are and you've got a plan. <laughs> Lead them to Christ. Listen, that's why in Philippians, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. Beware the evil workers and beware the mutilation. Is this just where we got the sign? Or is God pointing us in another direction? Listen, I want to say it to you this way. This is what Jesus was saying. Listen, deliverance is not for lost people. But it is for the children. And why would Jesus say there's bread connected to deliverance for the children if the children didn't need deliverance? There are believers in bondage. And God, remember, has a feast prepared. For all of us. You have to believe in Jesus to receive deliverance. And notice what verse 28 says. She says, yes, Lord. Reminds me a lot of Saul, who would later become Paul's conversion. He said, who are you, Lord? You see, it's in this moment that she calls him master. And it is my belief that as she humbled herself and said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the children's bread. It's in that moment she trusts him as Lord. And he said, it's because of this saying. What saying? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Her, her daughter got delivered. Listen. I, this message is not being shared, believe me, because God wants to heap condemnation on you. Uh-uh. No, no, no. He is our champion who is rising up in this hour and declaring war on everything that stands in the way of love. He's declaring war on everything that would stand in the way of the love that you would have for him and the love that you could show to other people. He is declaring war on anything that stands in the way of love. And if you need deliverance today, it starts with yes, I want you to bow your heads. Close your eyes. Altar ministry team, if you would take your place.
If you're here today and you know that God, He's not first place in your life. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Today is your day. This is the hour. You've been fighting. You've been, you've been laboring. You've been, you've been trying to do things in your own strength. And this is a battle God fights for us. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. Jesus came as God's perfect sacrifice, died on the cross, was buried, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that all who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I hope you've enjoyed this message from Calvary Church. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening and God bless.